It says, an old geezer had been a retired farmer for a long time, and he became very bored. <coughs> Read writing here. So he decided to open a medical clinic. He put up a sign outside and said, Dr. Geezer's Clinic. Get your treatment for $500. If you're not cured, get back $1,000. Dr. Young was a real doctor and was pretty sure that the old geezer didn't know anything about medicine. And uh, so we thought, this may be a chance to make $1,000. So this is what happened. He walks in and says, Dr. Geezer, I have lost all the taste in my mouth. Can you please help me? Dr. Geezer turns and says, Nurse, please bring me medicine from box 22 and put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. Dr. Young cried out, Ah, that's gasoline. Dr. Geezer said, Congratulations, you've got your taste back. That'll be $500. <laughs> Dr. Young gets annoyed. He goes back after a couple of days trying to figure out how he could recover his money. He walks in and says, I've lost my memory. I can't remember anything. Geezer turns to the nurse and says, please bring medicine from box 22 and put three drops in the patient's mouth. Dr. Young tells him, oh no, that's gasoline. He says, congratulations, you've got your memory back. That'll be $500. Dr. Young, having lost $1,000, leaves Matt. He comes back after several days and he says, my eyesight has become weak and I can hardly see. Dr. Geezer says, well, I don't have any medicine for that, so here's your $1,000 back. Dr. Young says, hey, that's only $500. Congratulations. You've got your eyesight back. That'll be $500. <laughs> ah, I just felt like that was worth it. Let's pray together and let's get into the word of God. Amen. Father, we just set our hearts right now to receive from you. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and heart to receive. Lord, we humble ourselves before your word. And we thank you by Holy Spirit for revealing mysteries and revelation. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you agree, say amen. <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the Holy Spirit has had me reading all the epistles from Galatians to Colossians. Um, and I've read them through, and when I got done reading them through in the New King James, he, he said, okay, now I want you to read them through in the Passion. I read them through in the Passion, and he said, now, and he's been having me go back and reread all the epistles through in all these different translations, and it's been, you know, I mean, the, it's the Word, <laughs> and so it's been amazing, um, but I want to read to you out of the NASB version in Ephesians chapter 4, that's the New American Standard Bible, those of you that were wondering. Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I want to point out a few things that are interesting with that word grieve. In the Greek, that word uh, is lupet. The word lupet is from the word loop which denotes a pain or grief that can only be experienced between two people who are deeply in love with each other. <clears throat> it's hard to grieve somebody that doesn't know you. Okay. This word loop uh, would normally be used uh, to picture a husband or wife who has discovered his or her mate has been unfaithful. And so here's the thing. 
The Holy Spirit is deeply in love with you and I. Deeply, not slightly. I mean, meaning that you're the one that he thinks about. You're the one that he can't wait to talk to in the morning. Now I know why he wakes me up early. He couldn't wait all night. He had to talk to me at three or talk to me, you know. I mean, that's how he is. He wants to be with you all the time. He wants to be your BFF. Come on, somebody. I mean, this is Holy Spirit. This is how much he loves you. He thinks of you as much more than a friend. He wants to be intimate with you. And I loved how Dan Moeller put intimate, intimacy, meaning into me you see. He wants to know every part. He wants access to every room in your house. Not just some of the rooms. Every room. Let me tell you, relationships go so much better when everything is way out in the open, where there's no darkness, there's no secrets. When I was dating, I had great difficulty with, with uh, going out with girls that were, I mean, I felt like they played games because I never knew where I stood. I was always in the dark. I was always wondering, you know. And so then conversations came up like, are you mad at me? Remember those conversations? Are you mad at me? Why are you asking that? Because we're not talking. And, you know, where there is no conversation, then that means there's certain rooms that I don't have access to. I can't get into. I can't see what's in there. And one of the things that really attracted me about Nicole was there was no, there was no gray area with her. It was black and it was white. Her yes was yes and her no was no. Do you know that when I asked her out for the first time, she said, okay, but only as friends. Now, how many of you guys that would really encourage you to get your fire a burning, right? Yeah. It, well, any other, any of the girls that I had dated before had said that, it would have been a turnoff. But with Nicole, I knew black was black, white was white. Her yes was yes, her no was no, that doesn't mean that you were out. That meant that she was honest enough to say, yeah, I'm happy to go out with you as a friend. Okay, maybe we'll come back to that. Some of you seem disappointed by that. Hey, she married me. I mean, it worked out. Took four years, but it worked out. All right, so Holy Spirit is deeply in love with you. Do you guys understand that? So, but when we act like the world, when we talk like the world, when we behave like the world, when we respond the way the world does, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you weren't born again for what you could receive from God. You didn't ask Jesus to become your Lord so that you could be blessed and protected and prosper and and have peace in your life. You got born again so that your life could be, trans in, could be transformed into the image of Christ. And so that your life could be completely turned around so that you would make a complete 180 and live in a brand new direction. Live in a brand new way. Have a relationship with God, not go to church and learn all the traditional things that you can learn. You know, uh, I was born again as a Methodist. You know, and I'm, so I'm thankful for the Methodists. They, they taught us, they, my parents used to go on lay witness missions. And I remember my mom went to an evangelism class. She learned how to lead somebody to the Lord. So she came home and practiced on us kids. So one by one, all of us got saved. And we got saved because we didn't want to go to hell. That was the big sales pitch, heaven or hell. Which would you prefer? Well, let me see. Uh, 
yeah, I'll take heaven, you know? And so that was really all I knew. But then we transitioned from Methodist uh, and became Assemblies of God. I'm thankful for the Assemblies of God because, you know, to me, that's a great transition from traditional to freedom and liberty. That, you know, if you're going to pivot anywhere, I, I feel like the Assemblies of God Church is a great place to pivot. And then, glory to God, the Lord took us into a church that our lives were completely transformed. Man, thankful for that. <clears throat> so, I want to read to you. This is one scholar, and this is his translation of Ephesians 4, verse 30. He says this, Stop deeply wounding. Let me say it again. Stop deeply wounding and causing such extreme emotional pain to the Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed until the day of redemption. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> so again, grieving is like, it would be compared to like a husband and wife because again, it's people that are deeply in love with each other. You know, what causes grief to a spouse is when another spouse cheats, right? Or is unfaithful. That could cause that type of grief. This is the same type of grief that the Holy Spirit experiences when you and I grieve him. Mm. Wow. So, and like we said, grief only comes for those who are closest to you. So, so someone says something hurtful. It's personal. I mean, it's something that hurts you. What's our first inclination? To get mad, to be that hockey player that throws the gloves down and goes after them? Or is our inclination, is, is, have we been transformed into the image of, of Christ so much that when people that are hurt say something hurtful to us, we don't receive hurt, but instead we hurt for them. On the other side, you might say, well, that's not where I'm at. I mean, right now I get, it, it bothers me when people say hurtful things. And I, that's natural. I mean, that's a flesh response, it is. But God hasn't called us to live by the flesh. God's called us to live by the spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Oftentimes, though, we get to a place in our heart and in our mind where we're so hurt, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to help us. Did you guys ever see that movie, Vantage Point? I don't know that it was a big-time movie, but it was called Vantage Point. And the interesting thing about this movie was there was an event that happened. Six different people were at this event, as well as many other people, and what the movie does is it shows the vantage point of each person in that movie, of what this event, um, how they interpreted and their perception of this event. So it comes from six different angles. So it's interesting. You go through one and then it starts on the second one. <clears throat> this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. When someone hurts us, when hurt comes in this direction, what he wants to do is you're looking at it from this way and the Holy Spirit goes, I want to bring you around here and I want to show you my vantage point. And then when you see that vantage point, now, you, now he gives you the ability. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit, by the way. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. But he gives you the ability to go beyond the hurt, to look at the other side and see the hurt-er, the person that, that dished out the hurt and see what's going on in their life to where you now, instead of being hurt, are able to pray for that person. 
man, that's a much better position to be in. That's Holy Spirit's vantage point. His vantage point is not hurt, live hurt, because we have a lot of Christians going around living hurt. They're living done wrong. You did me wrong. And they hold on to that. We can't seem to get past the offense. I like to put it this way. <clears throat> How many of you remember Saturn cars? You remember GM used to have a car brand called Saturn. How many of you owned a Saturn? Any, any Saturn owners? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you remember the first ones had the polymer panels, right? The big selling point was that you could, I mean, you could bang that door and bend it in and it wouldn't dent. It would just pop right back out. Well, the whole car they made out of the bumper material, that's that polymer panel material. And, but that's the way the Holy Spirit, that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to become your polymer, <laughs> you know? Remember that old saying that anything mean that you say, it bounces off to me and it sticks to you? No, it's that he wants it to just bounce off. And he wants you to be able to see not that it comes back and sticks to them, but that your prayer comes back and sticks to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but how do we do this? We do it by changing our vantage point. Coming over here and looking through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. You can only do this by allowing him to have that conversation with you. For you to bring that hurt to him and say, Holy Spirit, what do I do? I'm hurt right now. It's okay. He, he's okay with you being honest with him. Ow, that hurt, Holy Spirit. That bothered me. He's okay with that. But then what he's going to do is he's going to say, Phil, look beyond this. What does Hebrews chapter 12 says? It says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What's the joy that's set before him? It's not the cross. <laughs> it's beyond the cross. You know who it is? It's you. It's all of you guys. It's all of us that he saw beyond the cross. And so that's what God wants us to be able to do is he wants to take that hurt and that it bounces off of us and that we're able to see beyond the pain of the hurt of the cross and see the joy that is set before us, which is that person being healed, delivered, set free. Instead of coming home and saying, man, my boss was a jerk today. He just, you know, and then just laying un loading on your wife well hey why don't we pray for your boss why don't we pray over them something's going on in their life for them to act that way you know something's going on and holy spirit knows what it is all right so somebody somebody said to me one time they said phil i know what the vision is for vision church i thought well man enlighten me what is it and, and they said that we would be a hospital for the hurting. Well, at first, I mean, I was like, you know, that sounds good. But there's a way that seems right to a man, <laughs> you know. And so I really wanted to chew on it. And as I began to think about it and chew on it, um, I looked at it and I went, no, we're not supposed to be a hospital for the hurting. We're supposed to be dent resistant. We're supposed to be walking around with polymer panels and not be able to be hurt. So that way you don't need a hospital for the hurting because to me, a hospital where there's a bunch of sick people and God hasn't called us to be sick. He's called you to be healed 
and not hurt and not living hurt so that you can hurt for others. Is that, is that making sense? Okay, good. Well, turn over to Joshua chapter seven, Joshua chapter seven. So we need a change of perspective, don't we? Because Christians are not supposed to live hurt. So we need to change our perspective. We need to come around to this other side and be able to look to the vantage point of the Holy Spirit, from the vantage point of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Joshua chapter seven, Joshua has just, he's in a place where they have just come into the promised land. God has done this huge miracle and they have defeated Jericho. Jericho, a city that was fortified, made huge walls around this city. Somebody said that they could have chariot races on the top of these walls. That's how big they were. And so there's these big walls and God does this miracle where he tells them what to do, gives them the plan. And when they all shout and they blow the trumpets and the musical instruments, suddenly these walls go, they come down. And now the entire town is exposed and they come in. But God gave them instructions about Jericho. He said, here's what needs to happen with Jericho is I want you to dedicate all of it to me. It all belongs to me. The gold, the silver, the clothing, the people, the livestock, burn everything. Burn the entire city. Now you might say that that might have been a tithe on the, uh, on the promised land. I don't know. But I do know this, it was supposed to be devoted to God. So that happened. And then Joshua, now they're looking at the next city. The first city, Jericho, second city, Ai. So they look at Ai and in verse two, it says that Joshua sent some men to spy out Ai. Go down there and tell us about it. The men come back, they say, you know what? It's not a big place. I think all we need is about 2,000, 3,000 men to go in and they'll be able to take that town, right? So it says in verse four that 3,000 warriors were sent and they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai came out, they killed 36 of the Israelites as they were fleeing before them. That would be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, you've just had this major victory of Jericho. You've seen a miracle. God has delivered them into your hands. And now you go to Ai and Ai comes out and they didn't defeat you slightly. It says they soundly defeated you. That means you were, you were done and you're running for your life. And they come back and what do they do? They tear their clothes, they put on sackcloth and ashes and Joshua and the elders, they lay before the Ark of the Covenant all day or the rest of the day, it says until evening. So they get to evening and then what does God do? God speaks to Joshua and he tells Joshua in verse 10, well, sorry, God, God says, get up, dust yourself off. What are you doing laying on the ground? He said, you didn't, he basically says, you didn't come to me. Jericho, you came to me. You asked me what the plan was. You didn't ask me what the plan was. He said, and so now you've been defeated. And it says in verse 10 that the Lord said, and they have only, they have not only stolen them, talking about the dedicated things, but they have, they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. Listen what he says in verse 13. He says, you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. The Israelites grieved the Holy Spirit. 
How did they grieve the Spirit of God? They disobeyed. One man. All it took was one man. He disobeyed. Okay, he, he stole. He lied. Over in Ephesians 4, in fact, turn over there, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read these scriptures because it talks about what grieves the Holy Spirit. If you've ever had a question about what grieves the Holy Spirit, here's the answer. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. So Achan grieved the Holy Spirit because he stole what belonged to the Lord. He lied about it. And so this grieved the Holy Spirit. So, you know, so not only were they caused to be defeated, they were caused to live defeated until they corrected this problem. That's bad. It's one thing to be defeated, but it's another thing to live defeated, right? But yes, sometimes some Christians don't fix the problem. They don't give to God what belongs to God. They don't take the dedicated thing and give it to him again. And so the grief continues. Hmm. Wow, Ephesians 4. Look at verse 25. It says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. I'm reading out of the NIV. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you were still angry. And do not grieve uh, or do, do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 28, 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So, so they grieved the Holy Spirit because they stole what was dedicated to God he hid it. He lied about it. Sometimes when we hear that word lie, sometimes we just think about the bold-faced lie, the white lie, you know, but omission is lying. Not giving all the information is, is, is a part of lying. I mean, there's other forms of lying, you know, minimizing the effect of something that happened, you know, is lying. So, I mean, there's, there's more ways to look at it there. So the Holy Spirit will help us see from his vantage point. How many of you remember that movie, National Treasure? So, so that movie, so we got some fans in here. <laughs> so, so you remember that movie that, you know, that they found a pipe, right? And then the pipe led them to the Declaration of Independence. And then they get their hands on the Declaration of Independence and they find some codes on the back and the codes take them to the, the, what was the letters? The do good letters. Yeah, silence, do good letters. And then they find the letters and then th that takes them to Philadelphia, right? Where he gets up on the roof. In fact, the first time we took our kids to Philadelphia, all they could talk about was Nick Cage was up there, you know, and he was, you know, I'm like, guys, this is the Liberty Bell. Guys, George Washington stood right here. Nick Cage was up, you know. They were younger, you know, but then we took them back and they were, and Zach and Becca were like, we are so, that was so not cool that we, all we could talk about was Nick Cage. We really want to know our history. So they, they rebounded, but anyway, but so he, so there he is in Philadelphia and he 
digs the brick out, right? And what does he find? He finds these glasses. Benjamin Franklin's glasses. There you go. So, so anyway, so they puts the specs on. And now suddenly the back of the Declaration of Independence turns into a whole different deal, right? And as he flips the lens, he sees even more. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to show you. He wants you to put his glasses on, his Ben Franklin glasses on, and see from a whole new angle. Don't, don't make a doctrine out of that, okay? I was kidding. But, you know, but he wants to show you a whole new vantage point, that this is what's available to you. I want you to see beyond your hurt. I want you to stop going by your feelings, the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to stop living hurt or done wrong because it doesn't matter what's happened in your life. What matters is that the Holy Spirit is with you. And if we'll put on his lenses that we can see through, we'll see from a whole new perspective, a whole new vantage point. Amen. In Genesis 37, turn over there. You can kind of flip through as as I'm talking about this. But in Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers betrayed him. I mean, they, they just flat out were mean. They were no good brothers, right? And they took advantage of him. They sold him into slavery. But here's what's interesting to me. Nowhere is it recorded in the Bible where Joseph complained about his brothers. He didn't criticize. I'm talking about for what they did to him when they sold him. You can't find it. He didn't criticize. He didn't get frustrated. I mean, nowhere do you read about that. I'm not saying that he, he got angry, I'm sure. I'm not saying that he didn't have feelings about that. All of us would have feelings about that. But nowhere is it recorded where he's talking negatively to somebody else about what his brothers did. This is an important point. You know, some of you need to go back and read it because you won't be able to find where he talked negatively. Now, he did tell the baker, or not the baker, but the, the cupbearer, he said, when, when, you, when God vindicates you and you go up back up to Pharaoh, he said, tell him about me and how I was unfairly sold into slavery. That's all he says. Hmm. Interesting. See, Joseph didn't live hurt. You can't live hurt and serve the way that Joseph did. I mean, he's in slavery, but yet he served in such a way that the master put him over everything that he, that he had. In fact, it says that he didn't even pay attention to what he had because he had Joseph over it. And then he was thrown into prison, and then what happened in the prison? Now Joseph's over the prison. Every, Joseph, everywhere he went, he was over everything. But then he... God raises him up out of prison, and now what's happened? Now he's over the world. (laughs) At that time, now he's overseeing the world. See, that's what God does. He promotes when you don't live hurt. You can't serve the way you need to serve and live hurt. Mm. All right, so it says in Genesis 50, how the Spirit of God empowered him to see things from his vantage point. The Spirit of God helped Joseph. He didn't live hurt because he didn't see hurt. Listen to what he says in Genesis 50, verse 20. 
he says to his brothers, you intended to harm me. Is that not true? That's true. He said, but God intended it for good to accomplish what he is now, what is now being done and the saving of many lives. Now, I want to read this to you. This is really interesting about Joseph because Joseph's life all through the Old Testament is picture, pictures of Jesus. Think about this. Joseph was sold. Who is that? That's the son of God, the price that God paid. Joseph was placed in a pit. Who is that? The son of God when he died on the cross. Joseph was in prison. Who is that? That's the son of God when he descended into hell. Joseph, come on, help me, Becca. Joseph, when he came out of prison, who is that? Jesus, when he rose from, rose from the grave. Joseph, who sat on the throne, who is that? Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father. Joseph, given a Gentile wife, who is that? That's the church that's been given to the Lord. We're the bride of Christ. Isn't this amazing? <clears throat> when Joseph was revealed to his brothers on the second visit, what was that saying to you? The Holy Spirit is saying, Israel will recognize him on the second visit. Man, that's good stuff. It's all about Jesus. Amen? So everything that happened to Joseph was by the direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was revealed, revealing Jesus in Joseph's life. So how do you bring yourself to a place where you can forgive like this? Where you cannot live hurt? Because I'm not downplaying what people say and things that happen to you that cause hurt. Because your flesh is flesh. It's it's going to hurt. You're not designed to carry care, to carry hurt. But the Holy Spirit is designed to carry it. This is why Jesus said, cast all your, or Paul said, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Man, <clears throat> you know, at the warehouse, we give furniture away and Sometimes you pick up some couches and it's like, Zach and I picked up a couch. It wasn't even a sleeper and I could hardly carry it. I just couldn't believe how heavy it was. But yesterday, I moved another couch and I picked it up and it was almost like, whoa, whoa, wow. This is amazing. <laughs> I, wish, I wish they were all like this because this burden is easy. This yoke is light. How do you live free from her? need to change your vantage point you can't do it alone you can't do it alone why you'll live from hurt to hurt you'll live from drama to drama you'll live from problem to problem unless you change the heart we have to change our perspective our vantage point and the only way that you can do this is is your fellowship with the holy spirit your communion with the Holy Spirit. When you commune with the Holy Spirit, that's where I'm talking about where you talk to Him. You fellowship with Him. You have conversation with Him. You talk about what's a concern to you and you say, Holy Spirit, this happened and ow, it hurt. 
Show me how to get free from that. Help me. And I guarantee you, because I've watched him do it in my life, that if you will walk through that and you'll hold on to the fact that he is going to help you, the Holy Spirit is your helper. That's what he does. But if you'll stick with it, oh man. I'll never forget a time when I, I was really hurt by something and and I was, I, I mean, the anger wanted to stir up on the inside of me. I could feel the pressure cook, cooker starting. And I said, God, I don't want to, I, I need to poke a hole in this now. And I mean, I was literally, I was standing up like this and I was going, mm, not saying anything because the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. So, but the first part was be angry. So, I mean, you know, it's okay. Anger is going to come you know but I was thinking about this thing and that man it was just I said I said Holy Spirit help me I lay this out before you here's what happened I know you saw it but here's what happened in case you missed anything let me explain it to you and I explained it to him and you know what the Holy Spirit did man I got down on my knees and I and I just put my hands up and I said Holy Spirit help me you're my help he took me to a scripture I read the scripture and suddenly my heart changed the fumes were gone it was like he, he, it was like he, he threw the most glorious cold water on me and it just went Shh. now I'm not saying that it still didn't hurt okay I'm not saying that but what but he totally changed my vantage point this was the this is where I first saw this with vantage points and thinking about seeing something from a whole new angle and you know what happened I began to see beyond the hurt and see what was going on in that person's life and the possibility of what may, what might be causing this in their life it was I was like wow God I've never even thought that way and here I am praying for the person to hurt me I said God thank you work in his life man move in his heart God whatever the enemy is trying to deceive him of I thank you Lord that you're greater than the devil and so I speak your love into his life Lord I forgive him this is important I forgive him I release that I don't hold it against him man when you can do that ah, it's a whole new way of thinking now a few weeks ago I shared this story about this guy that had his wife decided to leave him you know remember for a his wife decided to she was in love with a man that she met on the internet and she was leaving her husband she was going to go sleep with a man she'd never met before because she was tired of trying to be good never really panned out for her you know and she did it she left well he screamed at God for five days why 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 and five days after that the Holy Spirit showed up in his room I mean the tangible presence of God he said I could feel it I knew he was there and and he said to him he said why are you praying this way you don't have a problem how many of you would agree with that you don't have a problem 
And he was like, what do you mean? I don't have a problem. My wife's in the arms of another man. My kids don't have a mother. I mean, I have divorce papers in my hand. How do I not have a problem? Is this a joke to you? And the Holy Spirit said, no, like I said, you don't have a problem. But your wife, on the other hand, is in trouble. But the only one you can cry out about for the last five days is you. serious how's that for a paradigm shift how's that for a new vantage point where the husband began to cry out for the wife because she's not making a great choice he's not the one cheating and going and sleeping with a woman he's never met and he began to be compassionate toward her began to pray for her I'm telling you this is important for us because how many of us have gotten hurt and we've grieved the Holy Spirit and you know what happened when the children of Israel grieved the Holy Spirit things did not go well for them they were defeated and they lived defeated until they got things right and I'm telling I'm telling you this morning is your morning to let go of hurt to release what people have done in your life. You know, there's some, that's one of the saddest things that I've seen when we've done ministry in retirement centers is people that are in their prime of their life or the, the what do you call it? The sunset years of their life, the, the golden years. That's what it is, the golden years. We learned what silver screen meant yesterday. So golden years of their life. But when, I mean, here they are in the golden years of their life. These are supposed to be the amazing years I mean you're coming into the finish line you're going to finish strong right but to see a person in that age and in that bracket who's offended who's hurt who's living hurt and holding on to done wrong for all these years sometimes the person's even dead and gone and the only person it's hurting is them for you and I to live hurt and to be mad at somebody else is like us drinking poison and expecting it to hurt them. I mean, that's, that's what it's like holding on to that. And I'm telling you this morning, it's time to release that. It's time to ask Holy Spirit to give you a brand new vantage point that I could see beyond this hurt and see what's going on in that person's life and I could begin to pray for them the way they need to be prayed for, the way I would want them to pray for me. That's a whole different mindset. But it's a transformed mindset. It's a godly mindset. So I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you bow your heads around the room, all around the room? My heart is never to call somebody out, to put somebody on the spot. That's not my heart. But I want God to see your decision this morning. If that's you and you say, yeah, I've been... I've not been able to step over into changing my vantage point of people. And I want to, this morning, I want to release, I want to forgive, I want to let it go. If that's you around the room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hands all around the room. One, two, three. Would you put them up all around the room? Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Oh, Jesus. Let's all stand up together. We need to pray there was a bunch of you there was a bunch of you and we're going to pray and we're going to release this this morning and let it go this is important amen
Thank you, God. Man, just begin to close your eyes and just posture your heart with me. Just posture your heart in his presence. Just begin to thank him. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. You're such a good father. I'm so grateful for what you're doing in my life. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me because there were so many of you. We just all need to pray this together. Amen. Even, Even if everything's cool, it's all right. You can help your brother or your sister out by praying with them. Amen. Well, let's pray this together. Pray out loud after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I don't have to live hurt because you took every hurt, every pain, every offense on my behalf. And I am made clean by the blood of Jesus. And so I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you that I don't have to live hurt And so I ask Holy Spirit for your help to change my perspective, to do a paradigm shift in my life, that I would see things from your vantage point and no longer live done wrong. But Lord, that I would hurt for other people. Thank you, God. Lord, I forgive, I release, and I ask you to forgive me. And I receive your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that I've been made clean and righteous in you. In Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands around the room. Begin to thank him in your own way. Just thank the Father. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Jesus. God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful, Lord, that we are free and the sun sets free is free indeed. God, that we don't have to live hurt. We don't have to live done wrong. But God, that we can live righteous in you. Lord, I thank you for the heart that you're giving us for other people. Lord, that when they lash out, we just go, hey, man, it's, it's all cool. Man, what's going on? What can I, how can I pray for you? God, I thank you that you're helping us be an amazing light and amazing testimony in the lives of the people around us. Oh, God, thank you.